Hey everyone, welcome to the Boredom Breaker podcast. Uh, I am here with Ian Porter. Uh, my name is Jerome Bushnell. Tanner Dean will be joining us shortly, and if not, then we'll just fill in his slot. Uh, at the Boredom Breaker podcast, we want to share with you the good news. Ian, what is the good news? The good news is that Star Wars is still better than Lord of the Rings. Oh man, that is not true. The bad news is that Ian is a liar, and so... Um, take it for what it is, the good news and the bad news. We are not a news source, but at the Board and Breaker podcast, we will share with you the news, whatever that means. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say, Ian. You're going to have to take it over right now. Oh, boy. Well, <clears throat> I guess I'll just go ahead and uh, jump straight into the topic then, eh? Um so we wanted to talk about this week uh, what we think of uh, anger as versus or as far as uh, Christians are concerned. What is righteous anger? Is there such a thing for Christians? All that fun stuff. What do you, uh, Jeremy? I know we both original or uh, recently. Well, you recently. I, I've read it a long time ago, but uh, read a book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen, which is the kind of the spark for the topic this week. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on just the general topic so far? You know, I, I will admit, um, it, when you first told me about the book and when we first started discussing it, I disagreed with you vehemently. And I even, yeah. I threw out some scripture and, and I, I threw out some logic and I, I, I had a lot of good reasons to disagree with you. Um, now having listened to the, the book on, on Audible, um, you know, if we were really good, Audible would be one of our sponsors. But hey, if you're out there, Audible C CEO, etc., you know, track us down. But um, one thing that really stood out to me that I'm like, you know what, Ian's right, and I was wrong, um, was when Brant talked about the idea of being motivated to do something about it. Um, I'll use the example of abortion. Uh, I would say that abortion has historically angered me and yet what have i done to to help pregnant mothers besides nothing like what what have i done personally to help save babies in the womb you know maybe donate money here maybe you know get into arguments on facebook as helpful as that is right let's let's talk about that but brant says instead of getting angry use that as a motivator to actually do something. Christians shouldn't be angry. At least, they certainly shouldn't dwell in their anger and express disappointment at others. If, they're, if, if we see a problem in the world, we are called to love others and yet still call out sin for what it is and do something about it. So that really stood out to me. It's like, oh man, like I'm, I'm a worthless person who who doesn't like abortion and yet has done very, very little to actually um, do anything about it. Even even just to bring it to the Lord in prayer and say, hey, this angers me. Oh, I have an idea. I can pray. So that's that's one thing. I, I thought it was a good book. Um, I still maybe disagree with some things. Um, I think one thing I would say I disagree with slightly, and I don't think this was Brant's um, intention, but I think that emphasis on the book was, the, um, was on humankind like god's love for humans as opposed to um the emphasis being on on glorifying god which is maybe also a, maybe a distinction in um um from a maybe reform perspective uh whereas the emphasis is like well god's glorified in all things and god you know god is sovereign over this and stuff like that and the emphasis being on god versus the emphasis being on man so 
uh, one, I, I really enjoyed the the conviction of, hey, if you don't like something, do something about it. Uh, but I think he could have glorified God. He really did glorify God. and always talking about God's love, God's love, God's love. Um, but I, and maybe that was the point of the book, so I'm going to stop at that. Um, <laughs> what's your feedback on it? Well, and just for the record, people listening, uh, we actually haven't talked about this yet. Um, he, you know, we, you know, Jeremy read the book and then he texted a couple things, but we haven't actually, this is not rehearsed. This is us talking right now, yeah. but, um, <clears throat> no, that, that, that's really cool. Um, so when you said, um, the focus was more on him loving us versus his, uh, sovereignty being, being, um, him being glorified. Yeah. Sorry, him being glorified. What, yeah. what did you mean by that? I mean, I think a lot of times Christians take. I, now, I want to. I want to say that God does love. Obviously, God is love. Um, the Bible says that we love because He first loved us. But a lot of times, especially I think modern Christians and non-Christians like to emphasize God's love because that this it kind of clears the table for everything else like well god loves he can never send anyone to hell well god god loves me no matter what well who cares because god is love it's almost an excuse to say nothing else matters i only believe in a god of love and if you look at the old testament and the new testament and you know all the destruction and judgments and stuff there's, there's almost this dichotomy of well the old testament is about god and his wrath but the new testament jesus came to show god's love well, really, it's more of a cohesive narrative than that. God shows his love and patience even all throughout the Old Testament. And there is judgment in the New Testament. So to, to create that dichotomy, I think, is a man-centered perspective on, oh, that's just what God did in the Old Testament with the Israelites. But now, now because Jesus is here, now God's all about love. Well, God doesn't change. So... Like, we need to understand him as, as holy. But maybe that's a good point. If modern-day Christians talked about God's holiness as much as they talked about God's love, I think there'd be a different story being told. And if we really look at the Bible and if we're honest with ourselves, <laughs> we can't say God's love trumps his holiness. Because God is holy, he's also loving and you can't really separate the two like he is who he is i can't say god has 200 um portions of love and only 150 portions of holiness i mean if he's eternal if he's you know i think for lack of a better word if he is who he is that you know then holiness and love go hand in hand and and they are eternal in him i know i rambled on a lot there but but that, I guess that's my answer to your question is what, I, what do I mean is when Christians emphasize God's love, which, and it's okay to emphasize his love as long as we define it biblically and not just a feel good happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, and as you were, as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking about this and tell me if I missed the point totally, but if you, <clears throat> I, I don't see why those things can't both be equally important, I guess. Um, and the, the book specifically is obviously about humans and our um, 
non-right to take offense. Um, it's kind of combating that that um, uh, popular, most popularly held view that you know there's this righteous anger, and as long as we're angry for the right reason and all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> but you know, talking about God's uh, God being um, uh, glorified and all that. Well, when you look at humans, we only have one of those things. I mean, we're not. Uh, not to not to say that we're not holy and that we're redeemed, but we're not by ourselves holy. But what we can do is portray God's love. And since the book is about humans, I kind of feel like that's kind of why it was more focused on God's love because that's really all that we can do. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would actually disagree on on two counts, or, or I would I would. Trace them back. Oh, uh, first, I want to uh, agree with you. You said you you can't see why holiness and love can't be equally mutual. And I think that was the point I was trying to make is I agree with you. When I said you can't have 250 portions of holiness and only 150 portions of love, that my point was saying with God there is no, you know, little bit of this, little bit of that. So, so I agree with that point. God is completely holy and he is completely loving. There's no – so I agree with that point. Now, your, the second point that you made, I, I disagree in that you said humans are not capable of being holy, but they are capable of being loving. Now, if both ultimately come from God and we're created in God's image and we're redeemed believers, then I would, I would say either – okay, so same thing. If it's true with God that he's completely holy and he's completely loving, then as human beings, if we can have any of that in ourselves being a gift from God – an attribute that belongs to him that he shares with us, he can share both with us, that we are capable of being holy, not in our own right, but because of his holiness gifted to us. Um, in fact, in the New Testament, Paul refers to the saints in Ephesus or the believers here. You know, um, and I'm going to make a distinction between what Catholics refer to as saints because I don't believe that in sainthood, in like a Catholic would, but the New Testament refers to believers as saints. That word saint is the same as, you know, where we get sanctimonious and sanctified, um, which basically means holy or set apart. So saints is another way of saying holy ones. So, and and I'll, I'll, I'll make a definition here in saying that holy doesn't mean holier than thou and I'm better than you and I'm above you and you are worthy of judgment and I'm worthy of, you know, all, all that means is set apart. That, that the word holy there are saints in the New Testament just means set apart. And I like to use a silly example of a toothbrush. Let's say um, you have a toothbrush. You have two toothbrushes for whatever reason. You use, you use one toothbrush to brush your teeth for work Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday you have a separate toothbrush. It's your weekend toothbrush. And you only use this to brush your teeth on Saturdays and Sundays. That toothbrush is set apart for your for your teeth on the weekends. That's what all that's that's all that holy means is set apart, unique, different. It doesn't mean I'm better than non-believers. It means I am unique, set apart, and different. So in in the conversation of love, believers are only loving because God loved us first. Believers are only holy because God set us apart. So I, I would make that distinction in saying, uh, yes, both are equal in God and both are given to us as um, 
um, designations um, by by God's grace as well. Yeah, I I, I think I see what you mean. I, I was kind of working that thought out as I was saying it, and even mm. I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> and then now I'm 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 following you. Um, but that's a great so, point because I think when we say holy, sorry to interrupt, when we say holy, we have a huge perspective. Like I think I made the point of saying I'm better than you, whereas like I said, holiness is simply set apart or different, unique, not not unique better, but unique just different. Like uh, they're both toothbrushes, but one is for the week and one is for the weekend. So sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Well, um, okay. Well, I'm going to keep the conversation going then. Mm -hmm. and, um, so when – People, when a lot of Christians, um, you know, they'll they'll say, oh, you know, I have I can have this righteous anger and they'll they'll kind of justify their anger. Um, the one thing that the one verse they always go to is when Jesus uh, made the whip and drove the people out of the temple, um, you know, overturn the tables and all that. <clears throat> so what is what do you think that? Well, and let me let me say something else about it. Um, is that I, I've heard the idea, and I don't think this was from Brandon Hansen. I think it may have been somewhere else, but I heard the idea that maybe that the Bible doesn't actually say Jesus was angry. Um, it does, as far as I can tell, and I'm, I'm looking at the verse right now. Maybe you know, maybe I'm not reading it right, or there's a different version or something. But um, it doesn't actually say the words Jesus was angry. Is it the actions he takes, um, you know, we interpret that as anger, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he was angry. Um, and then furthermore, even if he was, um, he's God. So he, if there was any sort of righteous anger, I mean, my perspective on it at least is that that is set aside for God, as a lot of other things are. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in there that that we could dive into, and I'm going to try to keep it short. First, I would say I think a lot of times when when humans get angry, it's because of pride. Their their pride was hurt. Jesus Jesus's pride was not hurt. Obviously, uh, as the divine Son of God has you know come in flesh, um, Jesus was perfect in not only his actions but also in his thoughts and his emotions. Right, So there was no pride there. What he did wasn't because he had his feelings hurt or his pride you know, trampled upon. So I would agree that even if there was an anger there, a righteous anger, if we want to use that terminology, it was on behalf of the father and it wasn't because his pride was hurt. Um, and then two points I want to make really quick, and these are just side points. Um, one is when, when Jesus... Um, <laughs> so Jesus... Boy... I'm going to get lost here. Jesus cleansed the temple, and then in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Now, in the Old Testament, the code, I think it was in Leviticus, but I'm not certain on that. In the Old Testament, um, if you if there was mold found in your house, you were supposed to you know clear out the house and, and take care of it and see if it were to you know resolve itself. Um, but if you go back after a certain amount of time and find that your house was still had mold in it, um, then you were to destroy your house, right? Your your house was unclean. It wasn't it wasn't taken care of, and it then you had to um, basically tear down the house. So uh, perspective I've heard. Um, I haven't done this research myself. I've just heard somebody else mention it. Is that that's what Jesus did? Jesus went into the temple, cleansed the temple, right? 
But come 70 AD, there's still like the, it wasn't resolved. So the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Um, the Roman emperor came in. There was that a war. So that's one perspective in terms of Jesus clearing out the temple. It's like he, he's doing what the Old Testament law required him to do. And then another thing, financially, and it was an economic system as well, in that the money changers were, it, it was it was like the the doves or or the pigeons or whatever, right? The bird and those were for the lowest, like the poorest in the land. Like if you can't afford a cow or a sheep, if you can't afford to have a, an animal for sacrifice, then you get the bird, right? And so it was the poorest of the poor who were being who were being taken advantage of, and so of course Jesus had a right to be angry on on their behalf. If you know, if we want to use the term angry, so those are two theological perspectives of why, you know, why he had to clear out the temple anyway. The Old Testament required him to, and because of the sacrifices, it was it people being taken advantage of is bad enough, but it was the poorest of the poor who were being taken advantage of. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how do you interpret that, that verse? Do you think Jesus was angry personally? I personally do. I, I think he was angry, but but I will agree with you on this point. He was angry as as God would be angry. Uh, the, the Old Testament talked about God being angry all the time, so I'm not worried. Um, I don't have any problem saying that God was angry or that, you know, that Jesus was angry. Uh, you know, the caveat I already gave, but I'll give it again, is it, he wasn't angry because his feelings were hurt. He wasn't angry out of pride. He, he was angry because uh, Micah 6, 8 says, you know, what is required of you but to seek justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So Jesus in seeking justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with the Father became, not became, I don't want to say became as if it was a reaction or, you know, like like us as humans who can't control our emotions, he was angry. He became angry. He anger was you know all that to say yes. I I think there was anger, but I can't fully express it in, in my understanding. How about you? Um, I I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, it doesn't actually say, but I think the idea still works either way. Sure. Because um, like. <clears throat> So to, um, to kind of kind of agree with your point there, um, I'm going to use a quote from uh, the book Unoffendable by Brian Hansen, the book we're talking about, um, to where, you know, we don't necessarily ha have that right. So it goes, uh, problem is righteous anger directed at someone is pretty tricky. It turns out that I tend to find Brant Hansen's anger more righteous than others' anger. This is because I'm so darn right. I'm me. I tend to side with me. My arguments are amazingly convincing to me. Um, and then later, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but he goes in to talk about um, uh, how our offenses are just as bad as anything that this person has done to me, except worse. Because we've also committed offenses against God. Yeah. Um, and so this person committing an offense to me is not as bad as my offense that I've committed to God. And so in a way, and if you look at it that way, um, 
my offense is actually worse than the offense that that person, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, any offense I have done is worse than the offense that this person did to me. That make, that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't have any follow-up thought right now. I guess I could share my quote of the week, and it's by um, Jane Austen from her book, her, her beloved classic Pride and Prejudice. So there, you know, Pride and Prejudice are probably both causes of anger. Um, not, I don't think that was uh, – I mean I have read the book, and that certainly wasn't her emphasis. But – all right, I'm going to get too lost on Pride and Prejudice here. Anyway, Jane Austen said, uh, angry people are not always wise. And I think that's a, a good quote um, because – when you get angry, you tend to, I'll use the term lash out or to re react instead of respond. Um, and I think that's a, a fun distinction when people, I, I've heard people talk about um, believers should respond to things and not react um, to things. Um, angry people are not always wise. Well, there, there is wisdom. If you look at Proverbs, wisdom is usually spoken about in terms of humility. Um, even Job said to his friends, I wish you guys would just shut up because then you would prove to me that you're wise. I mean, I'm, that's a paraphrase, but basically Job says, if you would be silent, that would be your wisdom. So, um, and I know I talk too much, so <laughs> I'll take Job's advice and shut up. <laughs> no, I... I... Uh, hey, that's one thing that makes this podcast work. Couldn't just have one person talking to himself the whole time, right? Right. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, from, from what I can tell, um, anger, whenever it's written about in the Bible, uh, and it's referring to humans, um, is never, ever said in a positive way. Like, um, you know, for... I have, can't find any verses that say that humans should be angry. You know, see, this is, I also struggle with this a little bit um, because the Bible does say, in your anger, do not sin. Um, and uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So, but, but, but you're right. I don't think it says you should anger. I don't think there's ever uh, a point where anger is. Um, Okay, so here we go. Descriptive versus prescriptive. Obviously, prescriptive means um, like a doctor is writing you a prescription, like you need this. Descriptive is just like, let me describe this to you. So I, I would say that in the Bible, anger is descriptive as in, hey, I'm describing what your anger is like. But I, I think you're right. I don't think anger is prescriptive. Um, it does say we should be um, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry. But it's still not prescribing anger. It's just describing, hey, you're going to get angry, but first you should be quick to listen and, and, and slow to speak. So I struggle saying that we shouldn't be angry, but I also I agree with you. I don't think scripturally there's any point where it's prescribed to us like, Hey, this is an instance in which you should get angry. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. And if you're listening to this podcast and you disagree with us, um, please send us a, a real, really kindly phrased email. Um, so I would say anger for believers is always descriptive, never prescriptive. Yes. 
don't be angry in your emails. You'll make us cry. <laughs> but um, no, uh, so that I pulled up the verse you're talking about Ephesians uh, two twenty six. Uh, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Um, so a few verses later, in or excuse me, that's uh, chapter four, not chapter two. So in Ephesians four thirty one, so just a few verses later, it does say. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Yeah, and see, so that I, is prescriptive. Right. That, yep. to me, you know, he's clearly saying, do this. Yep. Um, the other thing is more of a, in fact, he's saying that's more of a do not thing. Sure. In your anger, do not sin. But the in your anger, you're right, it's descriptive. Yep. It's not saying to be angry and don't sin and make sure you don't sin in that anger. It's saying when you get angry, yeah. make sure you do not sin. That's good. And, and to clarify, uh, I am not saying that sin – or excuse me, that anger – on its own is a sin because, you know, that's just a human reaction to things. Um, you know, we can't necessarily control, like if someone cuts us off in traffic and we get a flash of anger, well, I don't think I necessarily just sinned right there, you know, but right. my job now is what I do with, what do I do with it? And right. I mean, pretty clearly the Bible just said, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's um, another part of growing in, in sanctification. Uh, again, there's that word sanctus or, you know, set apart. Um, sanctification just means so. So when we are saved, that is our salvation. And we grow in sanctification um, until we ultimately reach glorification. Not that, again, I, I'll make the distinction. We aren't glorified the way that God is glorified. But we, um, yeah, anyway, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to get too messy off on, on a theological tan uh, tangent. Um, where was I going with this? I don't know. I'm going to recommend two other books while we're on this topic. we got about four minutes left. Uh, How to Be Free from Bitterness. I'm, I don't know why. I'm, I'm showing Ian. We don't have video today, so you're just, you're just going to have to look it up. How to Be Free from Bitterness by Jim Wilson uh, and The Bait of Satan uh, by John Bevere. Bait of Satan also talks about living free from the deadly trap of offense, not being offended. Um, and then How to Be Free from Bitterness. I think the How to free, Be Free from Bitterness is a good supplement because – like you said, Ian, we are going to become we, – we, anger is going to hit us. We'll be triggered with anger. Um, but don't let that anger set in. Don't let it become bitterness. Um, be free from that bitterness and the offense. And I remember what I was going to say now. I'm going to get, get it out of the way real quick in terms of talking about sanctification, fruit of the spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, you know, all the way to self – excuse me, self-control. So when we do grow – when the fruit of the Spirit does grow in our lives, we should be able to develop, not we, like God should grant us, we should be given more self-control um, just as fruit develops. Uh, now, in, in the bait of Satan, John Bevere talks about how um, the colder the winters, the sweeter, sweeter the oranges become, like on orange trees. Uh, if it goes through a bitter winter, it'll be a sweeter orange. So... God doesn't put us in real easy, simple, fun circumstances in order to grow the fruit in our lives. When the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives, it's through the difficult circumstances. When we get cut off in traffic, praise God, guess what that is? That's a perfect opportunity for us to, um, to say, hey, 
I just had a flash of anger, but I'm not going to let bitterness set in. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and Brand says to take driving as a forgiveness practice. Oh, that's – yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> it is. Well, and it's – I mean it, it's a funny it, – it's funny, but it's also really a good point because um, it is uh, – it's a safe way to do it, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, but – you're right. We just have a couple minutes left. You said you had just the one quote, or did you have another? That's the only quote I have this week, and, and to be honest with you, I'm down to 12 minutes. I had to pull out my computer, and I don't have um, a, my charger hooked up. Not that the listeners at home need to hear that, but <laughs> I'm going to be losing you here pretty soon anyway. So you have any closing thoughts? Um, I... One, one of my things that I've been really advocating for, and this kind of lines up with what we've been talking about, is um, that we were put on this planet to love other people, mm-hmm. and that's it. I mean, there's there's other things, but ultimately, that's our job, is to love other people. Oh, man, Ian, I disagree with you, and we're out of time. Uh, I'm going to let you have that one, and maybe we'll bring it up in a future topic. <laughs> well, by default, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we were ultimately created to love others, but we were ultimately created to glorify God. And in loving others, we automatically are glorifying God. So, um, okay, I'll let fair you, enough. I'll let you have the final word since I did, I did throw my thought in there, and we're down to 30 seconds anyway. So why don't you have the final word and close us out? Well, don't forget to, uh, if you weren't bored, <laughs> please subscribe. If you were slightly less dumb, please uh, <laughs> tell your friends. <laughs> and uh, if you're more dumb, well, then just send us an email, I guess. But don't make us cry. <laughs> and if you need help listening to it, then share with others. And and um, and Ian, I, I, I had the last word again. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. Hey, God bless you guys. Um, We'll see you next week.